Well, hello there, and welcome to That Was The Worst Podcast Ever, a podcast where two lonely middle-aged men talk about their favorite singer-songwriter extraordinaire, Mr. Sufjan Stevens. My name is Jordan Clausen. Hi, I'm Justin Bills, uh, and I want to just let you know that Jordan Clausen is an acclaimed singer-songwriter and producer. What does it take to go. be acclaimed? How do you know if you're acclaimed? Does like one person have to be like, this is good? So why would I call you acclaimed? Um, yeah, you've played stages as large as Rifflandia. You've yeah. headlined, not headlined, but you have played a stage at Folk Fest. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty acclaimed. Okay. So like played like live on big stages. Yeah, or let me put it this way. I, yeah, it's like if people knew, know about you but don't know you. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. But I mean, yeah, that, I, that's probably, that's a pretty low bar, but I, I agree, I think. Because <laughs> I think most people that know about me know me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Where your line of work is just very different. Well, that's not true. With the podcast, I have some friends who listen to the podcast and they like love you, but they've never met you. Yeah, let's keep it that way. I don't know if I'm as You're good acclaimed in person. them. Well, I'll be fine. I'll be acclaimed. The acclaimed white man from <laughs> from Calgary, Alberta. <laughs> who assumed that he had enough authority to have a Sufjan Stevens podcast for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, isn't that funny about podcasts? It's not so much about who's like the most qualified. It's almost like who just gets there first or does it best. I guess. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's almost about who's the most disqualified or unqualified, I should say. Oh, like that. What makes you say that? I don't know. It's just like, that's just kind of the trend, isn't it? It's just like a bunch of nobody's like sitting around being like, I'm bored. So they start a podcast. Isn't that like the I know. cliche? Yeah, but I think nobody listens to those. Don't you think? Well, some people listen to this one. I know, but <laughs> this is a humble operation. Like, let's just be honest. It is. Yeah. It is a, it really is a very niche fan base. Yeah. Because... I don't even think we appeal to the mass of Sufjan Stevens fans. Oh, certainly not. I think we only appeal to like this small piece of the pie. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, like, what do you think of this, Jordan? A lot of the emails we get, so I'm not assuming that all of our listeners are this, but 99%, 0. 0.9% of the emails we get are from current or former Christians. I, I would say almost all former, right? Yeah, yeah, with maybe like one or two current yeah. thrown in there. So one thing I've noticed is that when, like to me, you have always been like an icon of domestic life. 
Like if I if there was like a patron <laughs> oh, saint of true, domestic yeah. life, I would have like an icon of you on my icon wall. You know, Justin Saint Justin with holding his fingers in the in the the ring finger to the thumb kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you have become more and more disheveled and uh-huh. more and more <laughs> that just like, I don't know. I just don't, I slowly that has like separated. And I just thinking that the other day, it's like, yeah, he's not really, he's just like, I mean, he lives in like suburbia of suburbias, but he's kind of got this like cool guy edge now. Oh, it's that's so funny you noticed and um I don't know how I don't know how to explain it because I love how you describe a very you know and that's probably still such a part of me but just walking through st- the stampede grounds holding sham wows and just drop like way too much money on like a steamer to steam like the toilets and just like dragging it around stampede you know like i was that guy for a long time yeah and then i was just kind of like young dad and and then but to be honest i was also baptist pastor like there was just a lot going on and sure that makes sense and then uh i can't explain this story but i'd be interested to know what you think when I quit at the church, there was this strong feeling to figure out how to honor myself. Mm. As a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. As the cool <laughs> guy that I always wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for exposing how stupid this is. No. Is. But, <laughs> no. Uh, no, no, no. I it love it. truly is. But let me just tell you, this is the true story. Is I was actually like... I've always wanted to get this tattoo and I just went and got the tattoo. Mm -hmm. Um, In some ways it was kind of destructive because I wasn't really consulting anybody. My mainstream wife, you know, I'd just be like, I'm, I just got it. Yeah. So part of it was mental illness. Like I was losing my mind. I went to value village and just spent like a hundred bucks and bought a new wardrobe. Oh, wow. That's cool. And then I just stopped. And then I just stopped cutting my hair. Yeah, and you grew out your beard, which is surprisingly, like, it's way fuller than I thought it was going to be. I know, but all of these things, I could say, didn't feel that intentional, but that it came from maybe a confusion. It was just like, I wanted to figure out, now that my identity as being a pastor is obliterated, Yeah, it was kind of like, who am I? Yeah. And I guess I'm this... Cool guy. I'm just Super kidding. Cool. This is so stupid. No, you are. Because it's cool not guy. cool. Like, I'm not that cool. But I just think I'm wearing things that I actually enjoy wearing. Yeah. Whereas before it was more just kind of like trying to play a part a little bit. And yeah. I don't know. Do you know what's funny but, is I'm producing, I think, uh, I don't know if I talked to you about this. Um, I'm producing this girl. Super talented girl from Vancouver here. Uh, Her name's Abby, and she is 20 years old. She just turned 20. So she was born in 2003, the year I graduated. Yeah, that's when we both graduated high school. And I came in the other day (laughs) to the studio, and she was like, you know what? You've got pretty cool style. You're like kind of like a cool dad. 
Yeah. <laughs> except, how did that make you feel? It made me feel sad. I was like, why? I, thought, I was like, I thought I was actually cool, but it's like, no, like, I remember cool dads. You're kind of like, you're like, oh, they're like cool. And maybe I would like want to hang out with them, but they're not actually cool. No, here's what I think. This is what I honestly think. And this is the other stupid thing we always talk about, which is like the definition of cool. <laughs> like we seem to always return to this. But let me just say this. There are some people that are cool into perpetuity. What am I trying to Perpetuity? say? Perpetuity? Yeah. They're always cool. Even if and even if they're not keeping up with certain trends, there's just a certain eye for good style yeah, and good music. Even if it's not music that, it's older music that you don't listen to, but it's like, no, that's the good, that's what I would have done if I was that age. Right. And I think, Jordan, I think you're doing it. Whoa. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I actually feel like we're kind of like um, bizarro each other you know like have you seen that Seinfeld where they encounter like Bizarro Bizarro yeah. Jerry yeah the, because of the um the Kenny Rogers roasters okay yeah yeah so because I actually kind of feel like I need to become more domestic and that's actually like a big part of growing up for me like yeah this last week um we have something here called Evo which is like um they're like rent a car with an app and they're all over the oh, city yeah. Um, yeah. And last week I took one and I, okay, get this. I drove it home and I forgot to turn it off. And so it sat on the street in front of our house. Stop, George. For like almost like 24 hours. No. And it charged, and I got this charge for like $120. And my indie wife is like, WTF? Okay, so, hold on. And then Does I'm it like, charge you for as long as the engine's running. Eventually, they were like, "Well, we we kind of figured out that it must be running, so we turned it off." It's like, yeah, why didn't you do that? Like after one hour, who would just like leave a car running, you know, for that long? So anyway, <laughs> oh, so 120 bucks. I call them. They're like, "Oh, that's okay. They take it off." I was like, "Sorry, honest mistake." And then I then yesterday I get this bill. Because it was parked, it wasn't. You weren't allowed to park there from three to six, and so it got towed as well. So it's two hundred and fifty dollars. And Olivia was so mad. Yeah. And I was Olivia. Just, uh, did she listen to the podcast? Yeah. Oh, Olivia, I can understand. I've done this to Courtney so many times. Okay, go ahead. But yeah, I'm just kind of like, man, I'm like thirty-seven. It's like maybe it's time to grow up, you know. <laughs> It's like, I mean, it's not like I'm meant to do that. It, no. It was like, I was, I'm always like, I'm not like trying to be irresponsible. I just like forget stuff really easily. Uh. Um, and then it ends up like costing us money and yeah. So I, I, I guess like I need, I'm trying to become more of like somebody who's like responsibilities first, fun second, you know, cause I'm always kind of like, yeah, let's go play triv trivia and drink six beers and I don't know. And then I like f forget to like make insurance claims, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like I was the icon of, of the domestic dad and you were, were not. Yeah. You were the traveling artist and you were single for a long time and you were kind of this, you know, you were the angsty 
the angsty one that that was looking for home and just kept making beautiful art. You know, <laughs> it's my cross to bear. Yeah, <laughs> um, but now you have Olivia, and, and you know you have a home, and mm-hmm. you have a beautiful life, and so. But what's funny is we are kind of meeting in a strange middle. I think. Yeah. Because I always wanted to be more like you. Yeah, I never wanted to be like you. No, and I of course <laughs> it doesn't kidding. go the other way. I'm just of course joking. it doesn't go the other I'm way. I'm joking. No, I always. I mean, I, it's not like I didn't want to be like you, but I, I. It's not like I was kind of like. I'm just starting to realize, like, you know, growing up, like obviously our culture kind of like idolizes this kind of like chaos or something. It's like nobody really wants chaos all the time. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. People, most people want order, and then maybe you know slip a little bit of chaos in there once in a while, sure. you know, controlled chaos, um, have a sure. little fun, have, you know, one extra glass of wine with Cindy. Um, uh-huh. But <laughs> but not actual, like, yeah. Yeah, and so that's what I'm realizing. It's like, uh, I need to, like, kind of create more order in my life. And so I'm very happy that I have a an indie wife who is prone to order. Oh, same. With my mainstream wife, Courtney, who had to endure me change, like getting a tattoo and not, yeah, you know, well, and, and it was hard and I wasn't that, it wasn't fun, you know. Can you tell this, first, can you tell our listeners what the <laughs> tattoo is? And then second, can you tell the story about how you almost <laughs> got one that you hated just because you didn't want to be rude? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So the tattoo I've always wanted is just a Dodger logo. That's it. Just the L-A Dodger logo. And I wanted it on my wrist. And so I just thought that's easy enough. Popped in to a place in Calgary. Just popped in uh, close to downtown. And uh, I think I realize now that walk-ins, like, that's not the best way to plan, like, the most permanent decision of your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I got this really cool guy who like had tattoos like on his face and like his arm was just all black, like the leg of the Rage Against the Machine bassist. Wow. You know, like that? Just fill it in black. Wow. Yeah. Just like all black. And like- Is that racist? He was- Do you think? Huh? Is that racist? Do you think? No, I think he Black was covering arm? up stuff. Oh. Oh, Chort, you're so... <laughs> please. <laughs> no. And then okay. um, <laughs> uh, he was showing me his work and he does these like really scary things, you know? Yeah. So loved him. His personality was wonderful. Uh, awesome guy. But his style and sensibilities, we were coming from so such different worlds. And he could barely speak English. That was another oh, reason because okay. he was fresh off the plane from Ukraine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this tattoo place gave him a job. And like, it's a very cool story. And I'm very, you know, it, I love having that connection to this cool story. But uh, as if I have anything to do with it. <laughs> but I was just like, I just want this Dodgers logo. And for some reason, he came back to me with a huge Dodgers logo and inside was a cool, like, I got to be honest, it's cool. It's, it was a Los Angeles beach scene and it had like skulls in the sand and there were like skulls, <laughs> <laughs> which I've never liked yeah. ever. Yeah. 
And then um, I was just like, oh, I was like, well, this gentleman took the time to design something. Who am I to say no? So I was like, I guess that's cool. I'm like, it's cool. I guess, I guess I'll take it, you know? And then uh, <laughs> I was just sitting in the, uh, Courtney, my mainstream wife just came upstairs. Hey, Court. Uh, I'm telling a story about my tattoo. She said, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was, he printed out the stencil, you know, mm -hmm. the, that they overlay on the arm. Oh, wow. He went that far. Yeah. He went that far and he's about to put it on and I just start freaking out in, <laughs> inside. Then I'm like, I'm going to have skulls? <laughs> and then it just hit me. It's because I just can't tell him the truth. Like, I just can't say that, like, I just wanted what I asked for, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And now I've dug myself into this hole because he's taken more time. He's about to put the stencil on. And then I finally just have to say, please, I'm so sorry, but can I just get the logo? Yeah. He just goes to Google, types in Dodgers logo, goes, how's this one? And I go, it's good. Prints <laughs> it out, puts it on my arm, and that was that. <laughs> You know, I wonder how, I wonder if the life of a tattoo artist is like that. Like, I wonder if that's like typical where you're like, you know, you you have this, these sketchbooks just full of these amazing illustrations you've made. And you're yes. Like, I'm going to just design people's bodies. But then you end up going and people are just like, can I have live, laugh, love on my, my lower back? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he, actually, I should plug him. Okay. I'll put it in the episode description because okay. he's a great tattoo artist. Yeah. And very talented, but like he really wants to do like the lead singer of Prodigy and like like um He wants tattoos to do the lead singer of, like, of Prodigy? Huh? He wants to do the lead singer of Prodigy. No, like a, like he has mock-ups of like the lead singer of Prodigy, like he wants to tattoo that guy on other people. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like really scary stuff. And but it's awesome. But I just don't want it on me. Yeah. That's all. I just want this stupid logo. Yeah. You know? And I think it's sad because it's like he, yeah, it doesn't have any satisfaction for him at all. It's just like tracing a dumb logo. And I'm just like, thanks. I like it because I'm from Los Angeles. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel and like he was like trying to make it better yeah. and cooler. Do you ever wonder, uh, like, do you ever worry, like, what if the Dodgers, like, changed their logo? And so then you'll always be remembered, oh, there's that guy obviously got those in the 2020s, that that thing in the oh, 2020s. this is timeless to me. Okay. So, like, if the Dodgers moved to Ohio, it wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Like, people still wear the Brooklyn Dodgers logos. Yeah. Well, like, I, I remember in the 90s, uh, the Vancouver Canucks had this, in my opinion, very terrible logo. It was like an orca kind of thing. Oh, sure. I and, know the orca. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, if someone had that tattooed on them now, I would be like... Oh, really? <laughs> you're really dating yourself. Yeah. Don't you think you'd be like, kind of cool retro? No, I would be like, if it was the old one with the skate from like Pavel Bure, <laughs> then I would be like, that's cool. But not... But that's not even like scraping the surface of like bad tattoos that oh. i've seen oh yeah well george should we take a break and Let's then do it
we'll talk about what we're all here for. We're going to talk about the Sufjan Stevens featuring feature film. Well, he's not in it. His music's in it. Mm -hmm. Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to get into the movie and the music. All right, welcome back. I'm so excited to talk about this movie that, wow, I've seen many times. But, um, Jor, we got to talk about a few things. Call Me By Your Name. So we're talking about it. It's a 2017 coming-of-age film. It stars Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. It's directed by Luca Guadagher. Oh, goodness gracious, Jordan. Guadagnino. Okay. That's probably how he pronounces it. Hey, sir, what's your name? <laughs> Luca Guadagnino. Nino. Yeah, of oh, course that's no. how he pronounced yeah. it. But, Jordan, have you seen one of his films before? He did Suspiria, the remake, and he just came out with Bones and All with Chamolet this year Sh- or last year. Chalamet, yeah. Have you seen that? Um, no, I haven't. This was my first Guadagnino movie. Oh, gosh. Um, so the reason we're talking about it on this podcast is Sufjan Stevens. So should we just start here? I think what I heard, and did you notice Sufjan Stevens in the title credits of the film? Yeah. Yeah. That's not normal. Yeah. That's like you really want to rub it in, like, we got Sufjan. Yeah, I mean, I think his music's pretty integral to the to the, to the whole thing, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah, but, maybe not. I don't know. He only has, like, three no, songs in there. Yeah, it is three songs, but they are all featured in the film and featured prominently. Yeah. So it's like nobody's talking over it. You know how, like, Jor, you know how the soundtracks in the 90s like a 90s rom-com soundtrack. A song would make it on the soundtrack if like a character just pulled in up into the scene and it was just playing on the radio. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. I kind of miss that. I know. I kind of miss that. Yeah. It's like, I can't get enough of you, baby. <laughs> Smash mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but not the case here. So there's this really cool remix of Futile Devices. Uh-huh. Did you, so, did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like kind of over a montage scene, but yeah, I'm, so it's hard to miss. Um, yeah, it's, it is really nice. I like the remix. It's like really kind of spacey and ambient. It's been a long, long time since I memorized your face. It's been four hours now since I've wandered yeah, and I appreciate, I think the remix fits better for what they were working for, and it actually makes me appreciate the song even better. So I remember reading that the director, I think, reached out to Sufjan about making music for the film, and Sufjan uh, agreed. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he wanted to find an emotional narrator to the film through music in a less heavy, less present, and more enveloping way. So uh, so he reached out to uh, Sufjan, and Sufjan delivered 
And it's because of this movie that we get Sufjan playing at the Oscars as well. Yeah, we need to talk about that. So we can. it's because of Call Me By Your Name that Sufjan Stevens is Oscar-nominated yeah. people. Um, I think that what, that performance may be one of the most awkward live performances that I've ever seen. Yes. And Jordan, the tempo was sped up. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, I vaguely recall that. Just the look it, on his there... face, though. He just looks so uncomfortable. He's just like... What? What is the Academy doing to Sufjan? <laughs> it's like, we don't have enough time for you to play the song, so you have to play it like, Lord, I no longer believe. No, yeah. He already hates it. Yeah. Like, you can tell it's his least favorite thing. You think? I don't know. I, I just... No, I think he hates it. Okay. I don't think... I don't think he like relishes that he got to perform at the Oscars. I think he'd prefer not to. At oh. least, isn't that the impression you get of just like, I don't want to be a part of this corporate sped up cut to commercial bullshit. <laughs> I think that's our boy Sufjan. I don't think he's into it. Yeah. I I mean, you might be reading it that way. I imagined it more kind of just like, <laughs> um, I think he's just like kind of like, I, I think he's probably a very introverted person, and, it, and this was my read. I could also be very wrong. And no, then it, I thought he right. was probably excited to do it, but when he actually got there, he's like, just felt very out of his element, you know? Yeah. Um, Like all these big celebrities and this kind of, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it, yeah, I was so excited, like, to see Sufjan Stevens on primetime television, like, sitting with my mother-in-law. Like, it was surreal. You know what I mean? Sitting with your mother-in-law? Yeah, because we were watching the Oscars. Oh, together. I thought you meant Sufjan was sitting with your mother-in-law. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sufjan sitting with my mother-in-law. <laughs> that would be, like, the most <laughs> wasted of opportunities. That would just be, like, pearls, be the definition of pearls before swine. Just be like, who are you? <laughs> Kathy would have a great time. Actually, Sufjan would probably prefer talking to Kathy than me, because <laughs> Kathy would actually see him as like a human being. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, d should we just dive into the movie and then we can let the music unfold as we talk about this story? Sure. So, this is a love story, a coming of age love story, but it's not without a, its criticisms. One thing that I appreciated about it was that it's a gay love story that doesn't have like the parental or religious trauma, let's say. Mm. But that's not to say... So I used to view this movie actually like Song of Solomon. Like I used to take it in that way. Mm. So my first viewing of it was just this somewhat passionate, secret love affair that kind of is what life, it's squeezing the marrow out of life in a sense, hmm. you know? Yeah. But I've seen it about six times and this last time I thought, I don't know if I can enjoy it as, as, as much as I used to. Um, just because of what is blurry as far as what's predatory and what isn't, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, this is my first time watching it this last week, and I was like, 
this is a film about pederasty. Yeah, interesting that you're so this is a this is like a a common criticism. Yeah. That I totally didn't see for years. But even like the way you know how there's that the whole time when they're like pulling up those Greek Greek sculptures and stuff? Yeah. Like that was pederasty was like so prevalent then. And I I almost thought it was like an obvious allusion to the like story. Like it was intentional. Yeah. Huh. Well, does it ruin the story for you? Does it ruin the enjoyment of the film? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it did for me. Like, I, I don't know. It's also just like, to be honest, like, I would say it's like bordering on kind of like an erotic film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I just like... I feel a little bit like uh, critical of that kind of thing in general. Not obviously not because of, I mean, maybe it's because it, it makes me uncomfortable because it's something outside of what I'm used to. But I actually just find that I've seen other things like that, like kind of films that are like stories, but like kind of tied with eroticism. And I often find that yeah. they kind of like idolize sex in this way that's just kind of unrealistic and, yeah. Uh, unfulfilling and yeah so i don't know i i thought it was uh, you know what i i thought it was like a visually stunningly beautiful uh, you can tell it's all shot on film and you feel yes. like you're in italy you feel oh my god because it's so it's and but it's not like in this kind of like cliche kind of way where they find just like only the most perfect vistas it's like every everything just feels really authentic but still beautiful and you can like feel the heat of the summer um and, yes. and the music i i to be honest i actually thought that i mean this is maybe a hot take but i actually thought sufyan's songs in it were like the least fulfilling musically like i thought the music just the more kind of like uh the solo the piano, piano stuff was way way better fitted to the to the film because Sufjan's kind of pop and I, I was almost kind of like I don't know if it's it's is it too does it it might be too poppy for this movie almost well it's no fault of Sufjan's but the movie is set in the early 80s yeah and it does kind of have it's either a classical aesthetic because this family is really educated and Elio plays piano and what whatnot or it's the pop music of the time, you know, like, do, 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 you know what I'm trying mm -hmm, to say? Mm -hmm. Totally. Home, home, home. Yeah, like Euro pop. Home, yeah. <laughs> so Sufjan is kind of coming in with Sufjan. Yeah. But I can't fault the movie. I just love hearing his voice over Elio brooding in the dark it's just so good yeah but um can we talk about army hammer because i just think guys i know we're in a retrospective that army hammer has gone through a lot of things and he's done a lot of horrifically abusive things and so it's easy to look back at this performance and be like ew but legitimately he ruins the movie. I just have to say it. He ruins the movie. Huh, interesting. Oh, because he because you know about him or just besides that? No. I think even I maybe I do have an unconscious bias knowing about 
thinks, his cannibalism. Actually, he, well, yeah, but he recently came. <laughs> I can't. I heard from a source he came, recently came out with that he was sexually abused in in a church, and you know, so army, you done some bad things, but you know, I believe that. Bad things were done to you too, but brother, I hope you're okay. Why am I even saying this? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just because it's a tricky issue. I mean, but, he's, he's working as a hotel manager now in the Cayman Islands, so I don't think, I don't. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't have any sympathy lower. for him. It's like he doesn't have any consequence. Well, he has a lot of, con- he lost his family and his career, but I, anyway, I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is I legitimately think he plays Oliver too much like a prick Mm. and he is too old just the man army hammer in this role he is too old yeah and i think i don't think the story is meant to disturb us i don't think the story is meant to be avant-garde necessarily in the age way yeah i think it's supposed to be avant-garde in how intimate they are like in the book, anyway, the book is even more graphic than the peach thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, the peach thing. Oh, so gross. Oh, I know. But, okay, I read the book and I didn't feel, I just felt like it was like Song of Songs. I honestly felt like it was what the father describes at the end of the movie, which is verbatim from the book, which is like, this is the thing that people kind of live for, to fall in love in this way. And I think that's kind of what I would call the intent of the author was to show this kind of unbridled, intense love that that is intense in a way that like you can't even really handle it. It doesn't really even last that long, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's meant to disturb us or make us question whether it was abuse or, or whatnot, but the movie does. That's what's unfortunate because Army Hammer just seems like a creepy dude in the movie. Yeah. And Don't you Tim- think? Timothy Chalamet looks so young in it too. That's another thing. He yeah, looks maybe, like a 15-year-old. I know in the book old. he's young too, so maybe I'm off. But that was just my impression of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, George, let's just talk about the peach. Because everybody talks about the peach. When it comes to Sufjan, we all talk about him being left at the video store. Okay. <laughs> When it comes to calling by your name, everybody wants to talk about the peach. Let's just talk about the peach. How, did you ever do? Did you ever des- desecrate a peach in that way? I knew you would ask me that. <laughs> I actually knew. And if I have or had, I don't think I'd talk about it. But I can just say that I haven't, Jordan. And I don't even want to know if you have or not. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. A, no, I was never, okay. never a fruit guy. No, um, no, I don't want to say. <laughs> but when I first watched the movie, I remember. Th- I just got to be honest. That scene pushed. Me- the- it's the scene when Army Hammer comes in, Oliver, and he like eats it. <gasps> oh yeah, that was the part where I just go. The movie took it too far for me. Ugh, I just went. I could handle. I could handle Timothy finding relief in this beautiful, voluptuous fruit. What? You could handle that? <laughs> Who wants but to watch that... some kid jerking off into a, a piece of fruit? 
It's gross. But that was my... But then when Oliver comes in and eats it, I just thought, guys, everybody, what are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Because you're right. I think in the movie, it starts to feel like, at least for me, like too avant-garde or is it shocking for shock's sake or... But in the book, I can legitimately say, like, the book pushed me really hard, but it pushed me to realize how far intimacy can go. And that is a delicate conversation, but I think that's where the book is going. Because can I talk about an uncomfortable part of the book that's not in the movie? Sure. Okay, Jordan. (laughs) Jordan. Okay. You know, they go off together, like at the end, like it's at the end of Oliver's journey. Mm -hmm. In the book, that's quite a bit longer. They have this like really passionate season, you know, whether it be a week or whatever in Italy. But there's a scene where like (laughs) one of them like asked to look in the toilet and look at each other's poo. Okay. And it was almost just like now... Now you have nothing to hide from me. Or it's like, now I know everything about you. Have you ever and gone into the bathroom and looked at your mainstream wife's poop? <laughs> <laughs> ah, so I think I did. I think when I was reading the book, I like read this out loud to Courtney. And the the answer was just like, Justin, like, basically the answer is no, Jordan. Um we do have limits, but in the book, because there's this narration, it's very much, it's very much like this is how much I love you. Like you don't have to hide anything from me, right? And I feel like the peach is is supposed to be that, but in the film, it just seems like Army Hammer is is like pushing him a little too hard and embarrassing him a little too much. Yeah, because he. Because Elio's like, don't. Like, this is humiliating. And he's like, hey, hey. Yeah. I just can't handle the performance. He comes across and she's like, hey, 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 hey. Like a, a really creepy dude. Yeah. Well, and then there's the scene at the end where the Timothy Chalamet's character is like puking from drinking too much. And then he's like ushering him home bad it's bad stuff that's i was like yeah. this is so weird anyway i think we should also make sure that we actually talk about the songs as this is not a call me by your name podcast but a sufian stevens, stevens podcast <laughs> so let's talk about would you let's talk about his original song mystery of love mm-hmm. which was the oscar nominated song mm-hmm. it's beautiful I love it. I love the I love the kind of guitar arpeggiation. All the sounds are so nice. And the lyrics are beautiful. It's a great song. This, uh, I think what's surprising about Call Me By Your Name is how Sufjan brought what I would consider some of his best songs to the table. Mm. Mystery of Love is top tier Sufjan Stevens, everybody. Mm-hmm. It is Even really just cool. that line, Lord, I no longer believe, drowned in living water. Like, 
The lyrics are absolutely beautiful. The melody is beautiful. The guitar is all kind of haunting. Yeah. And maybe I loved the movie just because I love Sufjan. And if Sufjan loves this, I want to love it. Yeah. Is that so wrong? Yeah. No, it's not. It's, um, you are, Sufjan is your Oliver, and you are Ilya. <laughs> Let's be honest, Jor. If Sufjan fell in love with me, it would confuse me. <laughs> like, there's no person on the planet that I've just feel more, that I've been more enamored with longer than this little humble man from Michigan. Yeah. taking me back to why I love this movie. I think it captures the excitement and angst and agony and euphoria of desire or love or lust or I don't know. Don't you think, Jor? Yeah. Like to be kissed or, you know, it's like, to see without my eyes, like, I don't know. It just captures that feeling that Elio's having. It's just like this, this infatuation that's changing his whole being. Yeah. Do you get that from this, drawer? <laughs> from this song? Yeah, yeah, and the movie in general. Um, yeah, I, I got that kind of like the agony of, uh, of desire and love. I, I definitely... I definitely got that from it. I guess I just like, maybe it's just where I'm at in my life. Like, I just kind of feel like that's that like Eros is just an yeah. overemphasized spirit. Really? Yeah. I just, I, I, I think it's not overemphasized. I think it's too misunderstood. I think it's worth, I think Eros is worshiped as the ultimate God. And, it's, but I, I just, I think that people who, I can who really like have experienced love that first of all has like longevity and, and, uh, anchoring, like yeah. know that Eros is like a kind of a impermanent God. He just kind of. Why do you call it a God? Because that's, I mean, th that's kind of the, that's the symbolism of. Oh. Of, you know, of all kind of ancient mythology is they, they represent aspects of reality. And oh. um, I just, yeah, I mean, that, that I, I just often find stuff like that, stuff that's kind of about like intense desire. I've just, maybe it's because I actually think that I have like a really strong inclination to, um, just uh what's the word to fall apart kind of like taking my own feelings and desires way too seriously 
And oh, then I've right. had to like learn how to kind of be uh, a stable person. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm just really, I'm really skeptical about Eros. And yeah. Well, I think the the danger of it is even the topic at hand is that if it's about the it's if it's about just the feelings or if it's just about the excitement or it's just about exploiting the person because um you just like the taboo or or whatnot yeah it's incredibly destructive but at the end of the book i just got the feeling that they didn't destroy each other that it was actually like painful but it was all about the father's monologue at the end of just like these mm. are still the things that we all dream of mm. mm-hmm. you know and so eros is also like without like it's one of those aspects of life that i think every person is like before i die i want to experience that hmm. isn't that weird yeah like the one thing i want to experience before i die is probably that eros love that elio and oliver had yeah i i guess and i have experienced that but i just also know that like there are people who have just as much d- depth of love that were had their marriages arranged. Yes, and I think that's where I think this is my opinion. But the Eros explosion, sorry, you know, yeah. to have double entendre. The Eros peach explosion. Yeah. Is such an it's almost like otherworldly. It's like dramatic and spiritual and it invades our life like and it becomes everything. And when you're in pain, to have an infatuation and an eros for someone else, it's just so incredibly powerful. But what we find is if it's just about that and not the person, it really doesn't work or it doesn't sustain. But the most amazing thing is when that turns into that unconditional love. And now I just kind of sound like a youth pastor. But at this point, like, if it's not about ruining the person or exploiting the person, but it's actually about glorifying the person and, like, being in love with the person. And I think you and I have both experienced all spectrums of love in our relationships with our partners is, like, it's pretty amazing to have all of them actually. And to yeah. not just not just glorify Eros as like this is the best, best one and and but uh but man, I just gotta come back to like sometimes it just makes life worth living. Like the electricity. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I guess I like even having a crush when you we were in fifth grade, like it is so intense yeah um i guess i i i don't really i don't really relate to that anymore to be honest didn't you have like an in, like intensities like intense crushes yeah oh like, yeah so much like constantly like i dated like hundreds of girls <laughs> 
But I just, it, I, I guess I'm just kind of like, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I sound maybe pretentious or a contrarian or something, but I just think that like, it just feels a lot like it's like quenching thirst really quickly. And I have lots of quenching thirst really quickly and like maybe not a lot of mm. deep wells. And so I'm just kind of like more skeptical about, yeah, this, the, the quenching as opposed to the kind of the deep waters. <laughs> I well, don't know. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 again, like I say, I think I'm very prone to sensuality. I, um, but it's just, I just <laughs> You're also. prone to sensuality? I think I'm very prone to sensuality. Yes. <laughs> what, you, what does that mean? Like, I think that I'm like very, very self-indulgent. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Like, yeah, I like to feel like good right you now. You can fall off a cliff and fall into it. Yeah. Or Is like, a, I'm like, I'm like, it's hard for me to, you know, just like have one drink. So I'm like, this feels good. And feeling good is all I care about. So give me some more, you know? Well, sometimes I, like some people just experience the extremes of life, like the extreme joys and the extreme lows. Yeah. It's like, I'm alive. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of feel like you're like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. But. And that's but a lot of art, artistic people are like that. I just am kind of also kind of like, it's not, you know what I like more is like coming home to somebody who I know I can trust and rely on no matter what, no matter yeah. what happens, um, that she's going to be my best friend and my home and I'm going to be there yeah. for her. You know, like that is way better than like, <laughs> than like explosions of love in my, oh, yeah. when in my twenties, in my opinion. Well, what about even your heart, the heartbreaks of your 20s? Yeah, totally. Do you regret them or do you, are you more like, or this story of Elio where he just goes like, man, when I was freaking 16, did I have the love affair of my life? You know, or is it just like, no, I had my heart broken. This sucks. Yeah. I don't really know because I didn't have many love affairs when I was 20. Yeah. Well, did you, did you, besides, your mainstream wife, did you have any, like, real singers? <laughs> no, not not really. Yeah. Courtney was kind of the first very serious one. Yeah. But you had, like, you had, you had, like, Elio. You had Oliver's. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you want to know what? Actually, I had an experience very similar. Well, it was more Christian than that, but it was, it was quite call me by your name. I was traveling with my friend Steve and we were in we were in southern France and we got to this like it's it had to be like a youth hostel from like the 50s. It was like uh -huh. super kind of old and decrepit and it was actually the last week of its existence. And yeah. so like it wasn't on any of the websites for some reason. I don't know how we found it. Anyway, so it was this huge place and me and my friend Steve were the only ones there with this other with these two there were these two girls there. And one of them, I remember seeing her and I was like, I am going to make something happen with this girl because she's very cute. And we, actually, I don't want to give too much away, but we just like made out like night after night. And uh, we like- And you're in the South of France? Yeah. And we would like did go- you, we, Did you call her by your name? I call, I said, Jordan, Jordan. No. Oh my gosh. No. And she was just like, what? 
No. <laughs> it's just like gross. But we like went to like the I remember we went to these like little seaside towns and we like went swimming like among the oh rocks and gosh, stuff. Oh my gosh, Jordan. It's no wonder you're like, yeah, I don't need Eros love. <laughs> it's like you freaking got it, dude. And then I brought her to the train station and she stood there and wept. And we we Stop. had seriously, we had only known each other like five days or something. But I, I remember being really heartbroken. Like Oh my god. Like and surprised at how heartbroken I felt. Yeah. Because I, I also just knew like this will never practically this could never work in real life. Like she's like I think she was going to school in Scotland or something. And yeah, I was like, this could never ever work, but it was really sad and I don't know. I guess it was just kind of like then I walked like, w- away from that. I was like, okay, that was kind of fun in the moment, but I, it's like not it's like I'm like designed. I'm not gonna like sit on my deathbed looking back at that and be like, wow, I'm sure glad I had that experience. You're not like <laughs> I lived. There's not a part of you that is just kind of like I lived. I guess, but it was just so fleeting. Sure, life is fleeting. You lived. You had like how many people in all of time would love to have what you had on in the south of France yeah. with a with a girl crying at the train station. Yeah, maybe it's lots of people, I don't know. It's all of them. Yeah. Um that's just so funny, Jordan. Here's my equivalent. I was at a Christian family camp and I was joking that I wanted to make out with this girl and she said no. And then I was just like, that's fine. I was just kidding. But then she was like, do you want to go on a walk? And I was like, it seems like she really does want to make out with me. And then I just never did anything and we just walked like a lap around. So, Jordan, <laughs> on your deathbed. You're a pants. On mine, <laughs> no, I don't regret anything because I love my life. But I just think there's a part of this that's just like, Jordan, you have, you've experienced like this insane calling by your name mini story yeah and i think yeah anyway well okay i guess what it let's is, get, is yeah sorry uh, let's get to visions of gideon visions of gideon later yes. let's get to it later i i want to i just want to talk about the movie for a second jordan okay, can okay. i talk about the movie sure. for a sec? i don't i need you to help me understand that piano scene i don't get it it's so pretentious do you know when it yeah yeah he's I like know what you're play about. this piece and he's like i played it as if bach would play it as if and i'm just like this is so pretentious i don't even know what's happening honestly like i felt like again like i didn't really like the characters that much like there was they like, are kind I- of Elio is like that like i was saying to you on text like he's him and his family are this kind of like you know 1980s pretentious white people kind of thing uh huh. Just like everything is so kind of like uh, academic and yeah, very lofty, yeah. very kind of disconnected from any kind of suffering. Really, totally. It's just like when you watch the movie, you're just like, what? Yeah. Like what's happening? And then they just drive, and then they pull like ancient ship statues out from the sea and he's just like haha and then he's just like apricot yeah he's like, like there's i'm going to have to disagree with you on the uh, the um etymology on apricot <laughs> it made me what there isn't a scene i think in any movie that the dialogue is more like 
I want to punch both of you. Yeah. Like, apricocca. <laughs> it's just actually the la da da. But do you know what note I wrote? What? I wrote, Clausen family vacation banter. <laughs> yeah, right. That's funny that you think that. I told Olivia that, and she was like, uh, I don't think he knows the Clausens that well. <laughs> I'm just teasing. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but also, like, not in any other way other than, like, don't you think that house is made for your family to go to? My family? That it- Italian house? Yeah, your oh, family. Oh, yeah. We would love it there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And could I? the other thing I want to bring up is what the heck is that swimming pool? And why was he swimming laps in it? I thought that was ridiculous. Yeah, it's a swimming pool the length of his body. Yeah, it looks like a like a fountain, and he swims laps in it. Yeah. Anyway, that's another note I had. Visions of Gideon. Okay, let's get into it. I want to ask you, Jor, what you thought of the usage of this song. Which is basically the end of the movie with the credits. Mm -hmm. With Timothy Chalamet looking directly at us with the song playing. The first time I saw that, it really made an impression on me. What did you think? Yeah, I do think, I think everyone knows that kind of melancholy feeling like the warmth yeah. of melancholy it communicates it really well um yeah i thought it was beautiful that scene and i think it kind of shows what you said like this is the pain of kind of a, a flame that bright that burns out yeah like this is the pain of it yeah is it a video oh like is it a video was it even real Oh my gosh. As far as Sufjan songs go, what do you what do you think of this as far as a Sufjan song? Yeah, I, I don't like it as much as Mystery of Love, but it is really beautiful. Um, it sounds Carrie and Lowell era. Yeah, I, that's what I was just going to say. It is obviously like in those sessions because it has this, like everything feels really organic, and but everything's kind of manipulated in a way where you're like, even the guitar on Mystery of Love, it's like, kind of sounds like a banjo, but it's like uh-huh. really light and it's like, it doesn't sound like a normally recorded guitar. And then that one too, it's like the piano is, but it's not so weird that you're like, huh? You know, it, yeah. it's not like off-putting, it just sounds kind of different and every, but it's still really ambient, lots of reverb. Yeah, I, I really like these songs a lot. Anytime I want a song that kind of commiserates something being over that you don't want to be over or somebody leaving you don't want to leave mm. or a relationship ending that you don't want to end this is a perfect song yeah i hear that well Jor, any other call me by your name thoughts and y- you said you would have no desire to watch it again no no i don't 
I mean, I, I think I made it quite clear over these, this conversation. Oh, I guess so. Did you watch it with Olivia? No, she's already seen it. What did any thoughts from her? She loved it. She loved the movie. I mean, but then actually, when I told her I was watching, she was like, "I don't think you're gonna like it." And I was like, "Why?" And she's like, "It's just so kind of like lusty." And I was like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> yeah." She said something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, how often have you had to confess feelings, your romantic feelings, to somebody? And are you good at it? Because uh, that's one scene in the movie when he does it in such a subtle way. It's kind of incredible to watch. Yeah. And there, I've heard people talk about how, like, there's this, you know, a lot of it's about, like, the kind of coded language people had to use in the 80s okay, that gay people had to use. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was interesting for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Beautiful, beautifully shot, beautifully produced movie. Um, not really my bag, but what is? Can we just end the episode? What is? What's my bag? What, what you think that I hate everything? No, not everything. I want to know. Just like what movies do you watch? Like, I rarely <laughs> hear you just be like, "I watched a movie." It's always it's more like I don't know. I watched some British thing or whatever. But well, like, what's a movie you've seen this year? You know what? Like, one of my favorite movies is, like, basically the antithesis of this movie. It's called A Hidden Life. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Malik film? Yeah. That, uh, yeah. that's It's about, like, giving up all of this stuff. Yeah. And living to for a higher ideal. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, I, re I really like that movie. I don't know. What, what? Like, we don't actually watch a lot of movies because... We watch a lot of shows. We're watching Succession right now. Oh, I love Succession. Yeah, we, we're on season two. We like it. Uh, I like it a lot. Olivia, it's kind of dark for her, maybe. Oh, Jordan, Succession is how I got into watches. Oh, really? <laughs> that There's that dumb part with Greg where Greg like gets hired into the family and the brother's like, you got to get a timepiece. Oh, yeah. And it's that one freaking line. I was like, what's that? I should, what, like getting a watch is like a big deal? <laughs> and then I just like dove right in. It's from that one line. Isn't that stupid? Yeah, that is really stupid. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, I love your obsession with watches. I just find it really weird. Like, I, I don't get, like, to me, it is really hearkening back to an age of old that it just it's like I have a phone in my pocket. I can see the time in like two seconds. <laughs> I know, but that's why it's like it's the anti-phone. Yeah. It's like I don't want to pull my phone out. I want to look at the ancient mechanics. Well then what is your old. view on the on the um the Apple Watch? Oh well, I have an Apple Watch. Oh you do? So do you wear like multiple yeah. watches on your wrist at all times? No. Oh. I just gave up my Apple Watch because I got sick of my watch telling me to do stuff and putting, giving me notifications of like stupid stuff. Yeah. I know I have control over that. But to be honest, when everything fell apart, I just didn't want my wrist buzzing yeah. telling me to stand up. Yeah. I get that. I definitely yeah. get that. But, Jor, uh, I want to know a movie that was made like in 2022 
that you've seen or 2023? Oh, well, we watched The Banshees of Inisherin. Oh, yeah. We loved it. Did that. you like that? I loved it. Yeah. Wasn't that great? Yeah. Um, you didn't think it was too harsh? No, I thought it was... I mean, I think actually a lot of film is moving toward this more kind of like... Uh, what do you call it? It's like just like, like a little bit more abstract or symbolic. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not really necessarily trying to like tell like a... Re- a story where you're like, man, I'm just like this, the main character. It's like yeah. more of like a fairy tale or something. Um, yeah. And I like that a lot because it, I think it, it leaves a lot of room for like interpretation. I've had so many discussions about this movie already, you know? Totally. Um, it's almost like a modern parable or myth or it really brings out people's deep interpretations. It's like a mirror. Yes, Totally. I hate saying stupid stuff. I say stupid, pretentious stuff all the time. No, no, I um, I completely agree. I watched um, the Green Knight. I think it's a little bit older. Oh yeah, but I really loved that. Yeah, that was good. Um, I'm t- I'm just looking through. Oh, I one of my favorites was the Northman. Oh, I okay. I watched the Northman. Didn't love it. Really? I thought it was just kind of too basic. Oh, basic. I liked it because it was basic. I liked it was like, there was no kind of like hidden modern message like underneath it, like so many That's why I didn't like it. It was so like on the surface. No, that's why I liked it. I was like- like, go get revenge. It was just kind of like, you know, it was like, yeah, it was just like, because it's based on like an Icelandic folktale. And so it's just like, it's the folktale. There's no like kind of things like actually- well, the Green Knight the was like the patriarchy or something like that. It's like so <laughs> boring. The Green Knight, the Green Knight has some of that stuff slipped into it. Do you think so? Oh yeah, totally. Oh, um, uh, I watched All Quiet on the Western Front, and that was brutal, but I really liked it. Oh yeah. Have you watched that? Um, no, I have. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is that? It's a German World War One. Oh movie. no, but I did watch 1917, but I think that's kind of older. Yeah. I really I liked that one. I don't know. I just like so, stories that like aren't trying to teach me something. I like stories. What? Yeah. What you, ta- you just want. I think I know what you're saying is like things have been, things have had a subtext for so long and like a little wink of like, we're actually talking about this. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, having a story that is just the story and it allows you to just experience it. Totally. And it's not like necessarily giving you some kind of moral lesson at all. It's just like, here's this thing that happened and there's symbolism in it, but it's not necessarily saying good or bad. And then you can talk about it and figure it out for yourself. Like, I don't need a lesson, <laughs> you know? Oh, what, did you see um, Don't Look Up? Uh, n- no, but I read a lot about it. I... For all the reasons you just mentioned, I freaking hated that movie. Yeah. It just felt like, oh my gosh. Like, I just felt like I was getting hit over the head with this blunt object and the, and Adam McKay thinks I'm an idiot. Right. And it's like, you might even agree with whatever the totally. story is saying, but it's like, it's it just feels pandering. It was so pandering. And it was like the most hopeless thing in the world. Yeah. Although Timothy Chalamet is pretty funny in that. But anyway, oh, uh, let me just end the episode off with my daughter Annabelle will text me uh, 
every couple weeks and say, when will I be able to watch Call Me By Your Name? <laughs> and Jordan, Jordan, like, never? Like, <laughs> she, like, I right now I said 18, but I'd, I want to move that up now that we've talked about the peach stuff. Yeah. Maybe 2022. Well, I mean, my in my family, we had this very, maybe it's like kind of an archaic structure, but we were like, once once the child is 18, they are an adult and they can do whatever they want, more or less. Oh, cool. Like it was kind of okay, like so a cutoff. Like when you're 18, you have to start paying rent and you're an adult. No oh. more. <laughs> oh, that's what I'll say. I'll say you can watch Call Me By Your Name if you pay me rent. <laughs> yeah that's a great idea okay well jordan this was so fun yeah i loved having this chat with you yeah likewise (laughs) um and uh, you're my elio what'd you say you're my elio you're my oliver i was gonna say should we call each other by each other's names (laughs) uh no that's just so intimate jordan jordan um uh, we are good friends, but man, does that feel creepy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, as always, we'll sign off by saying the dress, the dress looks nice. Nice time you. Oh, oh, hey, George, did you get ASMR from that? No. <laughs> I, okay, bye. <laughs> I had another sensation that I won't mention. Um... <laughs> 